Hey everybody, and thank you again for taking the time to check us out this week. Hope you had a fantastic holiday season. All the best wishes as we dive headfirst into 2017. My name is Travis Meisner, and in a little bit I'll be joined by my classmate Brett Bauer as we sit down with Dan Butterly, the Senior Associate Commissioner for the Mount West Conference. Dan is a 2013 graduate of the inaugural Ohio University PMSA class, and since graduating has also become an adjunct professor for the online program. In his role with the Mountain West, Dan oversees all external relations for the conference, including marketing and sponsorships, championships, social media, media relations, and the Mountain West Network, as well as the men's and women's basketball championships in Las Vegas. We discuss the challenges that a group of five conference faces compared to the larger Big Five conferences, and how they create revenue through media deals and capitalizing on national successes. This podcast was recorded about a year ago, and I have since had the opportunity to work for Dan in the Mountain West Conference at the Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament in Las Vegas last March. We were able to see firsthand how well Dan and the rest of the conference staff really handles such a large event. Dan discusses what it was like going back to school 20 years after graduating from undergrad, as well as his tips on how to separate your resume from the rest of the pile. Thanks again for checking us out. Without further ado... This is Travis Meisner alongside Brett Bauer joining you with Dan Butterly. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. What's going on today? Everything good? Everything is great. Living the dream in beautiful Athens, Ohio at this point. Uh, but there are no complaints. That's always a good situation. You know, I, I'll compare it to, uh, I think I'm a mile high, a little bit of a mile high and a half here in Colorado Springs. So uh, looking down on Athens, and everything looks good. So <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Dan, so uh, if you would give us a little bit about your current role and, and what your day-to-day -day life or some of the big projects that you have uh, look like in your role with the Mountain West Conference. No, absolutely. I'm, uh, my title right now is Senior Associate Commissioner at the Mountain West Conference. I oversee external relations, uh, which has to do with marketing and sponsorships, working with our, our partnerships at Learfield Sports uh, here at Mountain West Sports Properties, as well as working with a Tremendous staff overseeing championships, media relations, social media, uh, and the Mountain West Network. So anything that has to do with external outreach uh, at the Mountain West, I've, uh, I'm overseeing that or managing various aspects of that, uh, as well as part of my, a key part of my role is also managing the sport of men's basketball, uh, which has anything to do with uh, anything like regular, regular season scheduling, uh, to running our men's and women's basketball championships, to officiating, uh, it's also working with our coaches day-to-day. -day. So uh, obviously a very diverse role keeps me very busy here at the Mountain West Conference. It seems like you pretty much have control or managing almost every aspect, like you said, externally. What are some of your biggest challenges that you face being part of a mid-major FBS conference? I think more than anything is, is kind of that misnomer, that you know, mid-major versus uh, major FBS conference. I think, you know, group of five versus power five. I think branding is, is a key challenge for the Mountain West day in and day out. Uh, we continue to, to work hard to fund our sports programs uh, to stay nationally competitive and, you know, head to head uh, in any sport. I think we can compete any, any day, uh, any game, any event uh, with those considered in the power five being on the Mountain West level. So I think you know, more than anything, it's it's very similar to anybody in college athletics these days. It, it's staying competitive. It's generating revenues for our member institutions uh, wherever we can uh, to try to help them uh, 
fund various aspects of their athletic programs uh, to provide our student-athletes the best opportunities that they possibly can on campus. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, it kind of transitions us nicely into the next question. With a lot of the recent changes in Division One and autonomy talks and everything kind of being about the money and going towards the Power Five conferences, what do you see as the future for college athletics? Because to a lot of people, it may seem like it's somewhat of a house of cards. How would you come back to that? And what do you think is the is the future for the NCAA Division One specifically? I think the, the biggest focus is going to continue to be on what can we provide the student-athletes that makes their you know, collegiate athletics experience the best it can be. I mean, there's been a lot of changes uh, in the NCAA's uh, you know, governance structure uh, over the last 18 months that has provided autonomy to, to those considered Power Five conferences uh, as they work to try to make college athletics better, to provide more resources, uh, to provide such endeavors such as cost of attendance, which provides student-athletes uh, the opportunity to go out and, and buy dinner or go to a movie or travel home, uh, those type of things that when, when I was in the athletic department uh, way back when at Illinois State that they were surveying uh, student-athletes at that time, you know, what, they, what the NCAA could do to make the uh, environment better, uh, what type of stipend would help a student-athlete at that time to uh, be able to afford those type of things. So it's great that the NCAA is now allowing those type of opportunities for student-athletes to make that you know, educational experience as well as that athletic experience the best it can be. But it continues to be the challenge of you know, levels of, of Division I. Uh, obviously, there's, there's uh, Division I FBS. There's Division I FCS. There's Division I that is you know, institutions that don't have football. Uh, so the confusion amongst the various divisions, uh, I think those will continue to uh, be out there. But how do you strengthen one division versus another is, is definitely a key issue that we face. You mentioned it in your last point there that cost of attendance and constantly looking for the next revenue stream to ultimately better the student athletes. Where where are those revenue streams coming from? I guess what in your particular case, what is the Mountain West doing? What are some of your institutions doing to help offset that, that cost of attendance and, and look for that next revenue stream to capitalize on? Uh, you know, from a conference office perspective, our, our key sources of revenue are obviously television, uh, our broadcast contracts, uh, our championships, uh, various ways uh, relative to the college football playoff. Uh, when Boise State got into the college football playoff, uh, group, you know, the group of six New Year's Bowls uh, in, in the 2014-15, uh, 2014 season, 2015 bowl games, uh, I mean, those, those bring significant revenues back to our institutions. And it's a goal of ours, obviously, to always be that top conference uh, within the group of five, to have the top team within the group of five. And, and those are ways, you know, we're trying to find ways to be as competitive as we can nationally, to, to put our best teams in the best positions possible in every sport uh, to get those postseason bids. Uh, even similar as I indicated earlier, I, I oversee and manage men's basketball on a day-to-day basis. How can we get our teams uh, non-conference games that will give them the opportunity to get an NCAA tournament at large berth. Uh, those, are, those are key issues that we face. But, you know, also looking at ways that we can not only generate revenues, but we can cut expenses uh, as well, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, scheduling to travel to, you know, various ways uh, that we can look at championship expenses. Uh, how can we look to cut expenses as well as generating revenues? Those, those are two ways that, you know, you can increase the net profit or net revenues for institutions to be able to get those monies that can help them generate uh, more ways to, to fund th- such things as cost of attendance or other things that we've talked about relative to that student-athlete experience. 
Yeah, and that's one thing that never really gets talked about much is, is everyone's worried about bringing in more money. Uh, if there are ways to cut costs elsewhere, you know, why that that's always an, an absolutely great way to uh, to kind of increase uh, spending on on the student athlete as opposed to other areas. Uh, I guess one of the things that you talked about is the fact that you manage uh, the men's and women's basketball championships that take place in in Las Vegas every year. Uh, can you describe some of the advantages or disadvantages that Las Vegas specifically holds as the host to the men's and women's basketball championships? Well, from the Mountain West perspective, Las Vegas is, is a central hub for the Mountain West. So if you were to put uh, a center hub uh, in Las Vegas and put spokes out to all the Mountain West institutions, it would very much look like a bicycle tire uh, in that respect. So Las Vegas is a central destination uh, for all Mountain West institutions. But Las Vegas provides so many great benefits uh, as a basketball championship site, as many, institu- as many of the conferences have found in the, in the Pac-12, the West Coast Conference, uh, the Western Athletic Conference now all have their basketball championships in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, so you're looking at uh, you know three women's basketball championships, four men's basketball championships, all taking place in a in a ten day period in Las Vegas uh, at various uh, arenas in town. But it, it provides not only a destination city, which you know is going to have fantastic weather uh, in the month of March, generally you know 80 degrees in sunshine in Las Vegas, but it, it provides a place that people want to go. Um, and, you know, college basketball with that many conference tournaments out there, uh, it creates a great environment uh, for March Madness. Uh, you know, I'm not sure the NCAA would want me to use that in reference to Las Vegas. But, uh, you know, being in that position, you know, when you got seven conference tournaments going on out there with the three women's and four men's uh, tournaments, uh, it's definitely a destination, a place that college basketball fans want to go. Uh, and in the research that we've done, you know, every year in Las Vegas with our fan base, I mean, they continually tell us, even though we've got some of the best cities in the country and, and such things as San Diego and Albuquerque and uh, Salt Lake City and, and you know some great in Denver, some great destinations to go to, they continually tell us that Las Vegas is a place they want to be. You've hosted or you've been a manager, I should say, for national level events uh, in, in Denver and even including the 2012 NCAA Women's Final Four. Can you talk a little bit about your experience in managing and directing and, and assisting in those national scale events and Maybe something that the um, that alumni would just be kind of surprised if who don't have a role or uh, have have assisted in a capacity like that before. No, absolutely. It's it's been a, a tremendous uh, being in the position I'm in. I mean, I started out uh, at Illinois State University as, as a head basketball manager uh, back in you know '89. To be able to get an internship uh, at the Missouri Valley Conference uh, after graduation that allowed me to continue to work in the sport of men's basketball, to be able to run uh, the Missouri Valley Basketball Championships back in the uh, mid-'90s uh, when we were, you know, just the Missouri Valley had just transitioned their basketball championship uh, in 1991 to St. Louis, and now they've celebrated over 25 years in St. Louis as that basketball championship. But to be there from the beginning uh, and to be in a position to help grow the Missouri Valley Tournament uh, before I left to come to the Mountain West in, in 1999, I, you know, I've, I've been a, a tournament manager for the NCAA tournaments uh, in Denver in 2004, 2008, 2011 on the men's side, as well as the 2012 Women's Final Four. Um, at the time of this podcast, we're working on uh, being the tournament manager for the 2016 uh, NCAA first and second rounds in Denver. But I was also a big part of uh, NCAA tournaments in St. Louis before I left as well in 98 99. So I've uh, been a part of some, some great college basketball events, college football events. I mean, there's, there's so many things 
that go on behind the scenes uh, between a, a national championship on the NCAA level, uh, you know, anything such as, you know, managing, you know, various hotels to facilities to uh, seriously developing a list of great volunteers within the city that can help your city become a first-class, first-location site when NCAA tournament bids come out. Uh, There are so many great opportunities for volunteers uh, in the cities, but having a great team uh, on the facility side as well as the hotel side, the Convention and Business Bureau side, that can have such an impact on an NCAA tournament uh, and and make your league make you look good, those are the type of things that, that the NCAA wants to look at when they look at bids. You mentioned you listed off a bunch of different years that you were involved with. Do you have any moments that stick out either on the court or off the court that you can look back and say, wow, I, I was part of that. That was something special. I tell you, one of the big things, you know, you remember big, big moments from every championship you've ever hosted. And I mean, you go back and look at the 2012 Women's Final Four and you look at Brittany Griner and, and Baylor, you know, winning the national championship and setting up the stage after the national championship game and how dominant Baylor was that year, even though their head coach was dealing with all kinds of health issues during that NCAA tournament run. Uh, I mean, th- those are the type of things, that, that the moments that you remember. And you remember, you know, seeing, seeing coaches that you've seen uh, all throughout the season or coaches that have won national championships coming into your site as one of eight teams, you know, at, on the very beginning of their national championship season, you know, winning games. Uh, in Denver or winning games in St. Louis on their way to a national championship. I mean, those are, those are the type of moments uh, you remember. You remember the, the coach, um, you know, in the coaches' meeting, coming up and talking to you about a uh, various site or things that they enjoyed uh, at your site. And, and th- those make a big impact on you. And, and providing that feedback back to your team in Denver, in St. Louis, or the places I've been, uh, and letting people know, you know, giving them a pat on the back to say, hey, just want to let you know the coach really loves staying at your hotel, and you know I, I appreciate all that you did to make their experience you know second to none in the city of Denver in that respect. Dan, you've been doing this for a long time, and in in over twenty years, what is something that you have learned, or something that you would like to pass along to either undergraduates or graduate students looking to break into the industry, or young professionals that are seeking to climb the ladder? The, the biggest piece of advice I can give to anyone is take advantage of all the opportunities available to you, including responsibilities that you may not like but they have become available at, at an opportunity. One of the things that helped me become a full-time employee at the Missouri Valley coming out of my internship um, was the, the fact that I took on responsibilities that some people did not want to, you know, did not want to take on. Uh, you know, every, everybody has something about their job they don't like. And sometimes there's opportunities that exist there that you may be able to take that responsibility and do something different with it. Or it might be something that you find that you're hesitant to take, but then all of a sudden you really like doing it once you dive into it and put your own spin on it. I mean, take advantage of those opportunities, you know, whether it's on campus with with opportunities while you're on campus um, as, as a student. Get as much experience as you can. Build that resume because the, the sports job market it is so difficult to get into these days. There are so many sport management programs uh, that, that are graduating, you know, top-level students uh, these days. But it, it's amazing how the differentiation point could be the experience that you have for the position that you're pursuing versus what uh, uh, the experience that somebody else may have for that position. And that could be a real key turning point um, in, in whether your resume gets pulled for an interview or whether your resume gets put into the other stack. Take advantage of the opportunities that, that come forth 
uh, and doesn't hesitate to take on something that somebody may not want to do. Yeah, that's that seems to be something that uh, we've we've both heard a few times being here at Ohio. It's it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done in the past, is it's what you're working on right now and if you're putting 100% into it. And I think that's great advice. Uh, I guess we're transitioning a little bit here into a little more specific questions about your experience with Ohio. Uh, so I guess, first of all, how did you find out about the PMSA program and what was it like as uh, the initial class to come through? Three words, Jim Kaler and LinkedIn, funny enough. I mean, you know, Mr. Recruiter himself. Right. Uh, Jim Kaler and I go back, you know, way back. I think uh, I, I interviewed with him uh, 20 years ago probably now the, for a position at the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in, the, in the sponsorship sales division. Jim and I have remained really good friends uh, ever since that time, and it was a, a situation that Jim sent me a note, uh, a message via LinkedIn, and, you know, introduced me to the PMSA program and, and you know, let me know that, hey, if you know of anybody that's out there that uh, is in a leadership role, uh, has been in the field for a few years, that is looking to get their master's degree, let me know. And this was June 2011. And, you know, I checked my LinkedIn account every day, and I, I got back to Jim pretty quick, and I said, hey, Jim, kind of sounds like me. I, I don't have my master's degree, and, uh, you know, I've been in the in the world, you know, of sports now for almost 18 years. So, you know, we all of a sudden started chatting pretty quick, and uh, lo and behold, I was admitted to the uh, 2013 graduating class. I started uh, no less than two months later uh, in the program. So, uh, you know, that Jim Kaler and LinkedIn is how I got started in the PMSA program. Uh, so how... What were your expectations of the PMSA program before, before accepting that, um, accepting that bid to be a part of the family? And then, how were they met, or what were what were the realities? And can you just kind of compare and contrast what you thought was going to happen and your experience at Ohio? Well, I've known a lot of Ohio U graduates. I worked for one with Doug Elgin at the Missouri Valley. Uh, Mike Hamrick and I got to know each other when I was a, like I said, a basketball manager at Illinois State, and Mike was working in development at Illinois State back in the late 80s. I mean, you know, so I've known a lot of great Ohio U graduates. I knew it was the number one program in the country when it came to sports administration. And, you know, so going into the program, I knew it was going to be a challenge. I, I knew that they, they were not going to back off uh, any way because it was an online program. I mean, you heard the stories of uh, interviews from the MSA, you know, students that got into the program, that type of stuff, uh, and how, you know, great the program was, but it was going to be a challenge. And the PMSA program uh, exceeded my expectations. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be a challenge. And, you know, for somebody that had 18 years of experience in sports administration, uh, I was hopeful, hopeful to learn uh, new things uh, to become a better leader, uh, not only in our office but uh, in, in collegiate athletics uh, and in the sports world in general. And, and, again, it exceeded those expectations. Uh, you know, it hit upon my strengths in sports marketing and event management, uh, hit upon some areas that I didn't have a lot of experience in, whether it was, you know, the uh, sports law aspects of it, uh, onto the uh, you know compliance and legislation type aspects. So you know, from from the beginning where we started out in leadership uh, in, in the program to the end where we finished off with capstone projects, I think my final capstone project was probably 128 pages. Uh, while I was just wrapping up, uh, you know, uh, I was actually I did the bulk of that while I was in. Uh, a hotel room for four days following San Diego State and the NCAA tournament in Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, it, it really did exceed the expectations I had, um, both professionally uh, and, you know, in, in my life and career and, and the friendships that I've made 
that will be lifelong, lifelong friendships. A lot of people don't understand that you can establish those kind of uh, relationships through an online program. I, I'll tell you, the 2013 PMSA class definitely did that. Yeah, that's it's something that's so unique that a lot of people can't really understand unless you get to see it firsthand. Uh, one of the things that we were wanting to add, you know, what is it like for someone who has been in the industry as long as you have, who's been out of college for as long as you have, to just go back to school right away and start two months after you committed? That can't be an easy feat. And how did you kind of overcome that hurdle after not being in school mode for 18 plus years? It was a significant challenge. I'll be honest with you. I mean, we, I was dealing at the time, uh, with conference realignment still going on. I mean, you didn't know for sure, you know, who was going to be in your league moving forward or, or type of things. I was dealing with the, the final four. Um, you know, I, I work a lot of hours already. I've got a lot of responsibilities here at the Mountain West. And, you know, I really had to look into the fact that I was going to be taken away from family time. I couldn't take away from work time because my job wouldn't let me in that respect. I had to take away. Uh, from some time I was spending with family, but I got my wife and daughter to buy into what I was looking at doing here. Um, you know, to go back, it, it was a, a great, a, an unbelievably drastic transition from when I went to uh, college and, you know, from 88 to 92 time period, uh, and then get into the, uh, you know, the online program and how college has changed so much during that 20 years. I mean, you're talking about when I went to school. You, you were buying expensive textbooks, and you were going to the library, and you were doing research in that fashion. And, and now there's so much of that information online. You do not have to use textbooks uh, anymore. You can go and use Google Scholar or those type of endeavors. Um, you know, great guest speakers that you could bring in uh, through the PMSA program that you might not be able to bring in on the traditional class program. Um, because you might have to travel them or use Skype or do that type of stuff. But the PMSA program really allowed us to, to bring those type of people uh, into our classrooms on a daily basis if we wanted to. But uh, it, it was a drastic challenge, a, a distinct difference uh, from the time I was doing my bachelor's program to the time I was in this master's program. Um, and it, it was an exciting challenge at the same time because I was learning new ways and new mediums to communicate uh, and, and be able to work You know, moving forward not only in the Ohio U program, uh, as I've now I've become a, an adjunct professor at the program, but in my daily work here at the Mountain West Conference as well. The perfect transition. Uh, I was I was going to point out the fact that you quickly made uh, your transition from student now to professor as teaching the uh, 2015 cohort uh, in the marketing realm. Can you talk about what it's like to be on the academic uh, academic side and being a professor of people who are already in the industry and your takeaways from that and some takeaways that you see uh, industry or industry executives should be learning uh, at, when they're coming into this program. You know, the great thing about it, uh, we joked that Jim Kaler recruited me via LinkedIn way back in 2011. I haven't stopped going back to school since that point. So Jim did an unbelievable job, you know, recruiting me for the Ohio U program. But I'll be honest, people don't realize, you know, learning goes both ways, you know, from a professor standpoint uh, to a student standpoint. I mean, you know, I've been teaching sports marketing. I've taught two classes this year, both for the 2015 uh, PMSA cohort. We were there second to last class, uh, and Mark Rossi and I uh, both wrapped up the uh, teaching the uh, 2016 cohort just this past weekend. And it's amazing the knowledge that is learned uh, not only to from professors to students, but students to professors 
as well in this in this PMSA program. Uh, I mean, we both got a lot out of it. Uh, we, I think, all enjoyed this course. Well, at least we'll see once we get the evaluations. Maybe they didn't enjoy it as much as we did. Uh, but, you know, in that perspective, the academic side has been a, a great reward in many respects. I mean, being able to, to be someone that can teach uh, current students in the Ohio U program is a great honor in many ways. But it, it's been great for me on the college athletic side because I work in athletics on a day-to-day basis and don't have as much of an academic focus or haven't had over my career. And now to be able to come back and be able to teach, you know, 25 students in, in a cohort, uh, it's been fantastic. I've been able to learn, um, you know, what the academic side is like. Being able to teach on the academic side uh, has been a great challenge and a reward at the same time because it's been able to um, refresh my sports marketing skills in some respects, uh, but also realize what it's like to be a professor. Uh, and when I'm dealing with faculty reps, uh, you know, from my from my side on the conference level, I now get a better sense of what they have to deal with day in and day out with grading, with students, uh, with content, with creating curriculum. It, it's been a, a very rewarding uh, challenge in that respect. Dan, if you're sitting down with someone or someone reaches out to you who may be questioning whether or not they want to join the PMSA class or apply for it, uh, what's something that you would tell them? Uh, about your experience, what was something you would tell them to help them you know, want to apply to the program? Version number one, Ohio U is family. Ohio U is the number one program in the world, uh, both on the on-campus and online program. So if you're considering any sports administrative or sports management program, uh, whether you're looking to go on campus or whether you're looking to do it as, as a professional, Ohio U is the one you want to go to. Uh, Ohio U is truly a family. And I go back, and one of the things that motivated me throughout my time in the program, and I'll be honest, I was somewhat a reluctant student that first impo- that first uh, residency weekend in August 2011 on whether I, I wanted to continue to move forward uh, with the program or not. Uh, but I'll tell you, Doc, Doc K said at that residency, uh, as we were wrapping up the weekend, he said, Ohio U is truly a family. And Ohio U, if you're an Ohio University graduate, if someone picks up the phone from Ohio U and gives you a call, leaves you a message, sends you a note, an Ohio U uh, alum gets back to that Ohio U alum. We're always there for each other, uh, whether it be you on the property side calling on the sponsorship side or whether you just call in to get advice or you providing a reference for somebody else. If somebody from Ohio U calls, as you're an alum from Ohio U, you return that call. And I, I've used that uh, message every day. I, I probably talk to at least one or two Ohio U uh, alums uh, on a daily basis, whether it's a classmate, uh, whether it's somebody that's in the program, um, whether it's an alum of the program that maybe we could do some business together. Uh, I've used that advice from that day one that we've been on campus with Doc K, and I'll tell you that is a big differentiating point between the Ohio U program, the Ohio U PMSA program, to any other program in the world. Dan, we really want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to, to talk with us about your both your experience in your career and your Ohio experience. We have one parting question for you that we've been asking all our alumni here. If you could describe your OU experience in one word, what would it be? Leadership. That's my one word. This this program builds leaders. This program is a leader. Uh, and, and I hope this program made me a better leader. And So leadership is the one word that I use to describe the Ohio program. Dan, it's always a pleasure. 
we appreciate you taking the time and sitting down with us and going over some of the history that you've had and some advice for some of the listeners out there. Uh, thank you again. Both Brett and I are incredibly appreciative and kind of as you talked about, everyone that we've reached out to so far has been more than happy to participate and, and help us out. So we thank you, we appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you hopefully at Symposium, if not sooner. No, absolutely. I appreciate the time for both of you. Great job on this podcast, and I definitely look forward to uh, meeting you both individually when I see you uh, in Athens here in the month ahead. Big thank you to Dan for joining us on the podcast. It never fails that every time I sit down with him, I seem to learn something new. Well, we're two episodes away from finishing up our series of interviews with alumni through the ages from Ohio University. We cap off this series with a two-part podcast featuring Basil DeVito Jr., MSA Class of 1978 and Senior Advisor for World Wrestling Entertainment, or WWE. This is one of our favorite interviews, so much so that we thought it would be better off to break it into two parts. Basil has over 30 years' experience in the sports and television industries. He has worked with the Indiana Pacers at the NBA, the WWE, the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, Breeders' Cup, and the XFL. His experience runs the gamut from sales and marketing to television production and management. Currently, DeVito is the WWE's Senior Advisor for Business Strategies. In this role, he is focused on obtaining placement for WWE's programming with North American television partners, as well as the creation of the business plan for a potential WWE cable network. Look out for us next time, and with that, Todd? 110, take it away.